Well, good morning. Everybody doing great? 2020 is here. Woo! Yay! Three of us are super excited about that this morning. Um, the rest of you are like, it's five days in, man. It's, it's done. It's over. Um, if you've got a Bible, grab it and go to Luke chapter 5. That's where we're going to be. If you don't have a Bible, we've put the scripture in your outline. Um, you can also follow along on the screens with us. We've got all of that for you. Um, we are in week number two of a series called Called Out. And um, it's all about choosing calling over comfort um, in, in our lives. Because Jesus, one of the things about Jesus is Jesus wants to take us from ordinary to extraordinary. And he's going to call us out of what we're currently in. No matter how well we're, we're doing things, he's always going to call us into something, something greater. Because in Jesus, we say all the time, the best is yet to come. And so even when we're experiencing success, even when we're having great things happen in our lives, he's, he's always going to have us do something next. There's, there's, always, there's always a next. And so um, he's always going to call us out of what, we, what we're comfortable in um, into what he wants us to do. And, and we've got to be ready for that. And so this series is, is going to prepare us, or um, maybe prepare us isn't the right word, is, is going to equip us, enable us, remind us, any one of those words, I guess, into, into what God is, is wanting us to do, what he's calling us to do um, right now and, and, and throughout the year. And so it's kind of our kickoff 2020 um, message. Um, we're going to be in Luke chapter 5, for a few messages in this series um, to look at the fact that God is calling us out because throughout Luke chapter 5, he calls out a few different people, um, specifically Peter, as we just saw in that video, and, I, and I'll talk about that in a second. Because he, here's the deal. As we look at these people that God has called out, and, and we, we look at what they said when God called them, when, when Jesus speaks to them, when, when Jesus brings them from, from where they are to, to where they need to be, it, it starts with a yes. It starts with them just, just being available and them surrendering to him. And if we, we surrender to him, if we're constantly being surrendered, if, if we make a decision that, yes, Lord, I'm going to surrender. Because you say so, I will. Because you want me to do this, because this is what you're calling me into. Like when we do that, when we give him a yes, our lives turn out better than we've ever expected or we could ever even imagine. Because he's calling us into his will, not ours. You understand that? When we're operating inside of his will and not inside of our will, our lives are just better. We know this, right? If we don't know that, let's, let's, let's talk about that this morning. Um, let me set it up like this, okay? It's 2020, right? It's a new year. We're five days in. Um, when the new year comes, we make resolutions, right? Like how many of you, how many of you, seriously, let's be honest, in church, all right? How many of you made some New Year's resolutions? How many of you? Okay, there's a few of you. How many of you have already busted those resolutions? Like how many of you, like, like did you have your hand back up? Like it's already gone. You started to. Like uh, my resolution was I wasn't going to raise my hand in church anymore. And then that's what you did, right? And I wasn't. See, resolutions are great, right? They're, they're those things of, hey, I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to stop doing this. I'm all excited about it. It's the new year. I've got an excuse of why I can do this or why I can do that and why I don't need to do this anymore. And, and then we get five days in and we're not doing them anymore, right? We, we, we gave up. You know why? resolutions get in the way of our routine, don't they? I'm going to lose weight, but I like to eat, right? 
And, and so, like, there's this whole, you, you, you follow what I'm saying? Like, we have routines throughout the day. How many of you are routine people? Like, you do the same things every day. That's like everybody in here, right? All of us have this. I have routines. I, I go to the same places. I eat at the same places. I get up mostly at the same time every morning. I yell at my kids the same way. Like, like I, have, I have so many routines in my life. Uh, and it started when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I had a routine every week, every week, every week. When, when, when I was a kid, if you're my age, like I'm 45, right? And so when you're my age, when you're a kid, we didn't have Netflix. We didn't have Hulu. We didn't have, we didn't have DVDs. Um, we, we had VHS tapes if we were lucky, if our parents hadn't bought beta. Remember that? You guys remember that? You had beta first. How many parents bought beta first? Anybody? My parents had the beta machine first, and then, we, and then they got LaserDisc, and it was, it was crazy. And, but anyway, when I was a kid, we didn't have all that stuff. We didn't have all of these things. Our entertainment came on early Saturday mornings, early Saturday morning cartoons. I don't even think they have early morning Saturday cartoons anymore. And, and so every Saturday morning, I woke up super early, which was amazing because, because on Sunday through Friday, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't get out of bed, you know, church or school or whatever. I couldn't get out. But magically, every Saturday morning, I was up at the crack of dawn because of cartoons. And my morning started off with Bugs Bunny. Remember that? Bugs Bunny, man, Looney Tunes. Woo! How many? Did somebody just clap? Somebody just like, yeah, that's all right. And, and then after that, there were super friends. Remember? Uh, those guys were incredible. The little dog, and I mean, it was great. And then Shirt Tails came on. Remember that? How many of you remember Shirt Tails? Yeah, everyone's like really clapping. Shirt Tails, woo! Like I was like, you know the song still. Um, and then after that, you had shows like Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. Remember Scrappy? He was like the best. I don't know if that was his son or a cousin. I don't know if it was Uncle Scooby or, or whatever, but they, but they were on. And then we had like Richie Rich, and, and it always ended with Popeye. Popeye. Popeye and olive oil. Remember that? And, and Popeye, after Popeye was over, we would go outside and play. Like that's what I did every Saturday morning growing up. Didn't matter if it was raining, didn't matter if it was snowing, didn't matter if the sun was shining. After Popeye, we went outside and we played all day long. Now one Saturday, I was watching cartoons. My brothers and my sister were in the room. I was like nine years old. My dad comes into the room and he said, put this on. And he handed me this really ugly, really, 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 really scratchy white wool sweater. He said, put it on. Now, I wasn't smart enough to put a t-shirt on first, and so I just took that thing, took off my shirt, put that thing on. Put it on, walk out. He says, now go get in the truck. Now, automatically, when my dad said, go get in the truck, fear began to dominate my life. <laughs> Worry and uncertainty crept in because my day was ruined. Like, this dude was totally interrupting my flow of life as a nine-year-old. You know what I'm talking about? Because, number one, he said, go get in the truck. I didn't want to go get in the truck. Because getting in the truck, man, I had to go to work with him. And I didn't want to go to work with him. I wanted to watch cartoons. I wanted to play with my friends. I wanted to be like, I wanted to do my thing. And so I go put on the sweater and I come out and my brother and sister are laughing at me because of this ugly sweater and the fact that I had to go be with my dad and they got to stay home and watch cartoons and go outside and play. And so I'm mad. I'm mad because I want to do my thing. My dad called me out of my routine 
to do his thing. And this wasn't normal. This, this wasn't normal, him inter- interrupting my routine. Like, it, it just wasn't his thing. Like, he usually got up before everybody else and left for work. And so I asked him, where are we going? And he said, that's for me to know and you to find out. And I said, that's what I'm doing, dude, trying to find out. And he said, he said in an even stronger voice, I said, go get in the truck. And so I go out to the truck. I pouted. I know you can't believe this about your pastor. But I pouted my way all the way out to the truck. I got in. I remember this like it was yesterday. I got in through a fit in the truck. I'm waiting for him. I'm crying. I'm so disappointed. I'm so upset. I remember looking out the truck window, and my dad walked out wearing the same ugly, scratchy white sweater that I had on. And he got in the truck, and he said, I didn't want your brothers and sister to know what we were doing. Are you ready? I was like, yeah, I'm ready. Like, what's going on? And he drove us to the movie theater, and we saw the movie Return of the Jedi. It was the first and only movie my dad ever took me to. To this day, it's one of my greatest childhood memories. Now, it all started with my dad calling me out and interrupting my routine. When he said, get up, put this ridiculous sweater on, let's go, get in the truck. I didn't know where we were going. I didn't want to do it. I had questions, I had doubt, I had insecurity. But at the end of the day, I would argue that his plans were way better than my plans. His routine for the day was way better than my routine. Him calling me out to do what he wanted to do was way better than anything I could have possibly imagined for that day. And so when I tell you God wants to call you out, I don't want that to scare anybody. Because honestly, when we get in church world and somebody says God's calling you out, we automatically think it's because he's going to beat us up. Because he wants to make us stop doing something. That he's going to ruin our lives. But but listen to me. God is not in the ruin your life business. That's not why he exists. He's not here to ruin our lives. He's not here to, to, to mess us up. He's here to draw us in. Jesus Christ said, I came to give you life an abundant life. That's what he wants for us. If we would just yield ourselves to him, if we would solely and truly surrender ourselves to him, every area of our lives, not just the things we want to pick and choose, but when those, when those things that we're trying to hold in, when he calls that out of our lives and we surrender to him, amazing things begin to happen in our lives, church. So I want to show you this. I want to walk through Luke chapter 5. We're going to go through the first three verses today. And, and, and I want to kind of show you, like, step one, if you will, of, of getting called out. If, if you want, I don't want to say this. If you want to get in on what God wants for your life as he calls you out, there's, there's one big question that you've got to answer today. That, that opening video that we saw is, is Peter, and Peter and Jesus. And, and, and there, Peter is, man, I, I don't know if you know this, but, but, but Jesus use Peter to change the world. He says that at the end of that video. Did you catch that? He, he's like, what are we going to do? And, J- and Jesus is like, we're going to change the world. We're going we're gonna to change the world. But it didn't start in a church service. It didn't even start with a powerful conversation. It, it started with this, 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 this ask or this draw that we see in Luke chapter 5, verse 1. Look at this. One day, everybody say one day. 
Circle that in your Bible, your outline, whatever. We're going to come back to that because I got this crazy thought about one day that I'm going to share with you. You might not like it, but I think it's cool. All right. One day, as Jesus was standing by the Lake of Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee, standing by the Lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Now, let's talk about this one day. Luke points this out, one day. I was thinking about this the other day when I was reading this text, this, this one day. Luke is a doctor, right? The, the, the Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, is a, is a doctor. And doctors are very, 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 very detailed, right? I mean, I mean you want a detailed doctor, don't you? Like, like nobody wants that, what is it, a Geico commercial where it's like, this is okay, is not good enough, dude walks in, and guess who got reinstated? Like, you don't, you don't want that guy, right? Like, you don't want Dr. Google. You don't want somebody to walk in and be like, well, I'm not sure what's wrong with you. It's either your lungs or your leg. I can't really read my own writing. Uh, we're going to run some tests and figure, like, you, you don't want that, right? You want a detailed guy. That's what I want. I want a doctor that knows the facts, yes or no? Yes, that's what we want. Luke knows the facts. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, Luke says, I wrote this entire book. The, the entire book of Luke is written to one dude named Theophilus. All right, he says, I wrote, this, I wrote this entire book after I carefully investigated all of these stories. Luke is really, 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 really detailed. If you read through the book of Luke, um, if you read Acts, again, which he also wrote, the geographical information, the historical information is fascinating. Luke is a very detailed person. And so the other day I'm reading this, and he says, one day. And, and my thought was, why didn't you tell us what day it was? Like, 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 seriously. Like, why didn't you tell us? Like, Luke, you could have said, hey, on a Tuesday, Jesus was at Lake Gennesaret. You could have said, hey, there was this Wednesday, there was this day, that, like, like it, it happened on this day, on this specific time. Because you're so detailed that you could have given us that information. Now, this, this one day, this, this day that we're about to read about, not only changed Peter's life, but it, ch it changed all of our lives. It really did. This one day. So this thing that stuck out to me was that most of us, most of us, we, we expect, let's be honest, we expect if God is going to do something in our lives, most of us expect it to happen on a Sunday, right? Don't we? we? We expect it to happen in a church service. We expect to be moved during worship. We expect God to speak to us during the sermon. We, we expect God to, to move on a Sunday. Like that's our, that's our understanding, right? That's why we go to church and, and we come in here because we want God to move. We, we want God to, to do something. And, and I believe that. I, I, I believe in that. I believe we should. I'm not downplaying church at all by, by making this, this illustration. I think that, I think it's awesome that 52 weekends a year we get to get together and, and we get to worship together, and it, it, it's great. Um, but but the, thing, the thing through all of this that has stuck out to me is, is that we have these, these people that say, well, I don't need church, and, and I don't need to come to church, and, and, and I know that that's not true from Scripture and, and my own life, but what I want to emphasize is that God doesn't want to just work in your life on a Sunday. He wants to work in our lives every single day. Now, it doesn't devalue Sunday. It actually elevates every other day. Because, yes, God might want to do a work in your life today on Sunday, but what are you going to do if he interrupts your routine and he calls you out on a Tuesday? What, what, what are you going to do? What, what if he wants to do something in your life Monday, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because it's an incredible possibility, right? That God's going to mess up your routine throughout the week. He's going to interrupt your day. We can't just say, God, I'm available on Sunday and no other day. Luke says one day. Not a Sunday, but one day. I, I, think that's, I think that's huge. Let's look at this again. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him. Imagine this. People are crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Because that's what he's talking about. That, that's what he's telling them. He's telling them the word of God. Now, <laughs> most of us, I know there's some exceptions, but most of us in this room most likely have bought into some sort of myth at some point in our lives, right? Yeah. Like I know people who believe in aliens. Don't raise your hand. I, I, I think you're weird, so that's why I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But, but it's a myth, right? I think it's a little bit crazy. Um, Bigfoot, all right, Bigfoot is a myth. If you go out to Colorado, like Pikes Peak, there are signs for Bigfoot all over the place, like Bigfoot Crossing. Like, I, it's, it's crazy, right? Bigfoot is a myth, right? It's, it's, like, it's, it's, not a, it's not a true thing. Loch Ness Monster, old Nessie, is a myth, right? And some of you are like, no, they're not, man. I'm not coming back to this church because they're true, and I've seen it, and I know, and da-da-da-da-da. Okay, fine. I will give you that. But, once again, if you're around my age, 45, You'll remember this. If not, you got to Google it, but I promise you it's true. <laughs> 20 years ago, probably to this very day, 20 years ago on this day, people were rejoicing. People were celebrating. People were excited. People, people had a new outlook on life. You know why? Because Y2K didn't happen, right? How many of you remember the Y2K scare? <laughs> That was crazy, wasn't it? Best Buy. I don't think Best Buy was like very old at this time. And Best Buy put these stickers out on everything. Like news stations were running crazy, scaring everybody to death. Like they had survival kits and how to shut down your, like look at this. That's like 20 years ago, CNN is still trying to scare you. Anyway, um, that's, sorry, that shouldn't. I didn't even notice before that that was on there. Don't put that slide up again while I'm looking at the screen. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, where am I going? All right. Um, Y2K didn't happen. Um, I, remember, I remember that this being like the first like, myth that caused global panic because that, that's really what it was. I had a computer, friend, computer nerd friend of mine tell me about Y2K. I didn't know what it was. I was like, hey, tell me about Y2K. Tell me what's going on. He spent the next 10 minutes literally scaring me to death. He was like, planes are going to crash. We're going to lose all of our money. Electronics aren't going to work. Computers are not going to work. All the ice cream in the world is going to melt. I mean, he's like, all these bad things are going to happen. And so he was like, you need to go buy generators and water. Like, it's, it's going to get crazy. I'm like, dude, this can't happen. Like, I get, I get married like eight days after the beginning of the new year, which is crazy that in three days I have been married 20 years. That's like, that's, that's like messed up. Anyway, no, no, don't clap for Mary, but she ain't in here. Um, <laughs> really, this is her. I think about how, like, I could have been out of prison by now. But anyway, um, I know we're not using this one for the recording, so that's cool. Um, anyway, gosh, man, you guys have me all, like, sidetracked right now. All right, so 
He's like, you got to go buy all this stuff, and you got to do all this stuff. And, and, and this dude, like him and his wife, like they were, they were freaks, like absolute freaks. They bought, they had generators, they had uh, like a million cans of tuna and water, and, and uh, this is no joke, man. I walked down in their basement. They got all of this stuff stockpiled. It's like absolutely crazy. They had 100 cases. Say cases. Cases, not packages. Cases. Cases of toilet paper. 100 cases of toilet paper. I said, dude, what is that? He goes, the true story. He said, man, I don't know, Ryan, if planes are really going to crash. I don't, think, I don't know if computers are going to crash. I don't know if electricity is going to work. I don't know if we're going to have ice cream. I don't know if we're going to lose all of our money, but you're going to be able to wipe your butt in this house. <laughs> I look at Mary and say, we coming over here, I guess. I don't, I mean, it was freaked out. And Y2K freaked people out. It was a complete myth. And, and people freaked out and reacted like something bad was going to happen. When we begin to buy into myths and we begin to, to react according to myths, crazy things happen and we do crazy things. Now, I said all that to say this. One of the biggest myths that exists in the church world right now, today, and, and, and I see this two or three times a week, man. I see it in, in Facebook forums. Um, I, I, I hear people say it and it's, it's crazy. It's not true, but this is the myth. This is it. People say the church world's in trouble because people don't want to hear the word of God anymore. Like this is rampant right now amongst church pastors, worship leaders, church people, um, people outside of the church world. The church is in trouble because people don't want to hear the word of God anymore. That is complete junk. Let me kind of walk through this. Number one, the church is not in trouble. The church the church has survived for 2,000 years. The church has outlasted governments, economic crises, the crusades, the inquisitions. I think if we can get through that, we can get through whatever we're going through today. The church is not in trouble. Now, now the way that we're used to doing church might be in trouble, but, but the church itself is not in trouble. Jesus said the church will be here until he comes back. And so the church is not in trouble, okay? Our way of doing church is, but the church overall is not in trouble. The second part of this myth is really interesting. The church is in trouble because people don't want to hear the word of God anymore. Completely not true. It's not that people don't want to hear the word of God. It's not that people aren't being drawn to Jesus. People just aren't drawn to the ways of man disguised as the word of God, a.k.a. religion. Okay, Let me explain this for a few minutes. Give me some time to kind of develop this so I'll give you a good understanding of this. When we look in this text, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus is speaking to a crowd gathered around him, and he's speaking the word of God to crowds and crowds and crowds of people. People are drawn. You, you know why? Because Jesus is speaking hope. Jesus is speaking life. Jesus is speaking peace. And even in, and when he confronts people, he confronts them with hope and life and peace. He doesn't, he, he doesn't, he, he doesn't confront people with condemnation. He confronts them with compassion. And we see in this text that people are drawn to Jesus. And, and even 2,000 years ago, 
Just like today, 2,000 years ago, just like today, people are drawn to Jesus but repelled by religion. Listen, religion, religion is about behavior modification. And Jesus is about life transformation. Jesus is about life transformation. Religion says, change and you can follow me. Jesus says, follow me and you will change. Follow me and you will change. That, that, that's an invitation people are interested in, right? That, that's why we preach the way that we preach here. That's why we teach the way that we teach. That, that's why we do what we do here. Because people are interested in, 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 in an invitation where Jesus says, follow me and you will change. So people, people get completely bought into a relationship and not a religion because, again, let's, let's, let's really look at this. Religion has this consistent message, and I've taught you this before, but I've got I to say it again here. Religion has this consistent message that's you're not good enough. You're not good enough. No matter what we're talking about, you're just not good enough. And so you, you, you're not a good enough spouse. You're not a good enough parent. You're not a good enough person. You don't read your Bible enough. You don't pray enough. You don't do enough. And even if you started doing more, it still wouldn't be enough. And you know what I've discovered about people when you constantly beat them up and tell them that they're not enough and they're not good enough and they're not doing enough? That's when they walk away from church. That's when they don't want to have anything to do with church. And we can't confuse that with the word of God. We can't confuse the ways of man with the word of God. Religion says you're not enough. Religion says you're not good enough. You'll never be enough. Jesus says I'm enough. Follow me. That's the difference. People are absolutely drawn to that. Churches today, though, a lot of them are all about condemnation, like I told you last week, all about pointed fingers and not open hands, not open hands. That's why people are walking away from church, because there's so much condemnation rather than the open hands and the conversations the church need to be having with someone. Jesus, we never see him. We never see him heaping condemnation. We just see him having lots and lots and lots of conversations. By the way, with a lot of really messy people, right? With a lot of really messy people. So Jesus is preaching the word of God, and people are drawn to him. Now watch this. It gets really interesting, and this will really come into play in the next couple of weeks. Verse 2, he saw at the water's edge Two boats. How many boats? Two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Now, quick question. <laughs> Have you ever had a really bad night? Have you ever had a night you thought would never end, like it'll never end? If you're a parent, you understand this, right? You remember when you first got that baby and you brought that baby home, and that baby woke you up in the middle of the night, and you're like, okay, man, I got this. It's cool. And it's crying, and you get up, and you spend a half hour with it, and you get it back to sleep, and you lay it down, and you go back to your bed, and you lay down, and you get your eyes closed again. Ah! Okay, I got it, man. I'm going to get up. And all night long, every 10 minutes, every 20 minutes, that baby will not shut up. And you're looking at it, and you're flipping it around, and you're turning it upside down, and you're trying to find the on and off switch, and it doesn't exist. Maybe this is just my house. But you're trying to, like, make this baby stop. And it won't, and you're just like, dear God, please, I gotta get some sleep. 
Or, or, or maybe, maybe you've been traveling <laughs> a couple of years ago, went to Italy, came back, got stuck in the airport in New York. You ever had to sleep in a, on an airport? Did I say hospital? <laughs> you ever had to, to sleep in the airport and waiting area, whatever, in the terminal. Have, have you ever had to do that? It's just awful. And you just want, you just want to, you just want to get out. You just want this whole thing to be over. Or maybe you just had one of those nights, one of those seasons in life, and you're like, dear God, just have mercy. Just let this be over. That's what the fishermen had experienced. They had just fished all night long. Now, I'm going to honestly tell you, I can't think of anything more miserable than fishing all night. I can't. I don't love to fish. I don't like it. I know some of you love to fish. If you love to, if you love to fish, praise God, man. I don't because it's too boring. There's not enough action for me, right? If, if, but if you want to fish, it's cool. No judgment for me, all right? Just fish. Fish all night. If you catch something, cook it for me, I'll eat it, okay? But it's cool, all right? You like it. But imagine this. Like, like everybody in here that fishes, you fish for fun. Like you don't fish for an occupation. Like you're not fishing for a living, these guys didn't fish for fun. They weren't all night because they were, they were having fun with their buddies. Like, this is how they provided for their family. And so if they caught nothing, that means they brought nothing home. And if they bring nothing home, that means no money. That means they can't provide for their family. Let me tell you something about these fishermen. They were probably angry. They were probably frustrated. They were probably very tired. They were probably like, why is this happening? Fished all night. Couldn't make anything work. They're frustrated, they're tired, they're angry. All they wanted to do was wash their nets, fold them up, and go home, start over again the next night. It's all they wanted to do. They're like blue-collar, third-shift type workers who had a bad night. Now, I don't know if that describes anybody here. And maybe you're in a season where you're confused, or maybe you're in a season where you're frustrated, you're tired, you're angry. Maybe, maybe you're in this, series, this season where things just don't make sense. We've all been there before. Right? And, and, and by, by the way, that's when we expect Jesus to work in our lives the least, isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it when we're, when we're tired, when we're angry, when we're confused, when we're frustrated, when we have doubt? That, that's when we least expect Jesus to show up. So right here, Luke, Luke tells us there's two boats, water's edge, guys washing their nets. And verse 3 gets kind of crazy. Look at this. He, and this is Jesus, he got into one of the boats that belonged to Simon. Now, that doesn't mean the other boat isn't important. In fact, in two weeks, I'm going to tell you about the other boat and how important that was. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. This is not normal. This is bizarre. We don't think it's bizarre, but this is, this is jacked up, all right? Like, like, let's look at this through a modern lens, okay? Let's, just, let's play pretend for a little bit. Let's say you work third shift. Let's say you worked all night long. It was a bad night. Got yelled at by your boss. You, you didn't get your job done. You know, like tomorrow night, you got to go do the same thing, and it's just going to be awful. And it, it's just, it was just one of those, I just, I just got to go home. I got to do this, and, and I just, I just want to put this all behind me. All right, I'm going to start over. I want to start fresh the next time. On the way home, you got to get some groceries. So you go to Hy-Vee, and you get some groceries. You walk out of the grocery store, and you notice there's a huge crowd of people, like a huge crowd of people that are gathered around the parking lot. You're scratching your head. You're like, what's going on, man? Because all you want to do, buy some groceries and go home. And so you're fighting through the crowd, whatever. You get to your car. You're putting some groceries in your trunk. 
a random stranger comes over and gets in your car, like gets in the car, and you walk around, and you're like, what the heck are you doing? Can I help you? And he says, yeah. Can you drive the car over to like Baumgars? And when you get there, let me stand on the top and start teaching the people. None of you would say, well, yes, Lord, that's a brilliant idea. Let's do that. No, you would be like, this is a carjacking. Get out. Because that's what this is, right? It's carjacking. This is not normal. So take Peter fishing all night. He's frustrated. He's confused. He's tired. He's aggravated. And Jesus walks up to him and says, can I use your boat? Don't miss this. Jesus wasn't seeking Peter because of his ability. He was seeking Peter to see his availability. It's not our ability that God is after. It's our availability. Because if we will make ourselves available, listen to this. If we will make ourselves available, God is the one who will make us able and will provide us exactly what we need to take our next step. See, see, Jesus wasn't calling Peter out to condemn him. Jesus didn't walk up to Peter and say, listen, Pete, I've heard some things about you. First of all, your language. Like, you've been known to cuss, man, and you've got to clean that up. Second of all, you're a bit impulsive. You've got a temper, man. There's some anger stuff going on with you, and we've got to get you calmed down. We've got to work on that. In fact, here's the number of a good counselor. Why don't you call him and get things worked out, get your temper under control? Number three, Pete, you're, you're a fisherman which means you got kicked out of Bible school. You weren't good enough. And so what I need you to do is go back and memorize the Old Testament. I'm going to come back, I'm going to check on you in about a year or two. If you've stopped cussing and your temper is under control and you've memorized the Old Testament, then I want you to follow me. He he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Jesus simply said to Peter, he he really didn't ask. He just kind of told him, hey, pull your boat out and let me teach the people. Once again, it wasn't Peter's ability Jesus didn't come up and say, hey, stop fishing. You've been fishing too much. I want to know. He, he, he didn't do that. The other thing he didn't do is he didn't tell him exactly what was going to happen. He didn't say, hey, Peter, I want to use your boat, but here's what's going to happen. You're going to follow me for about three years after this. I'm going to get betrayed one night. You're going to cut off a dude's ear. I'll fix it. It'll, it'll be okay. But after that, I'm going to get crucified. You're going to go out. You're going to deny me three times. That's cool too because I'm going to pull you back in and eventually you'll wind up in Rome. You're going to get crucified upside down. They're going to kill you. Hey, can I use your boat? Are you in? Like like if somebody comes up to me and asks me that, I'm like, no dude, no, I got this thing, man. Like I'm, I'm not buying in. Jesus simply said to Peter, can I use your boat? Can I use your boat? Translation, are you available? Are you available? Let me tell you something. Peter probably had some questions. Peter probably had some concerns. Peter was probably tired. Peter was probably frustrated. Peter was probably wrestling with doubt. But at the end of the day, there was something about this man, Jesus, that made Peter say yes. And by the way, because Peter was available, it changed his life. It changed my life. It changed your life. If Jesus did this over 2,000 years ago with a guy named Peter, He'll do it with you and he'll do it with me today. So the biggest question we're going to wrestle with, and, and over the weeks we'll, we'll get into a couple, couple more things that we, we've got to go through. But today, the, the first question that we have to 
to look at and answer. It has nothing to do with our ability at all. It has everything to do with our availability. And so my question to you today is this. If God is calling out to you, are you available? It's kind of like we get that text message, right? People will text us now before they call us. Are you available to take a call? Like, like are, you, are you available? Are you available to even, to even take a call from Jesus? Like, like if, if he were to call out to you right now, w- would you be willing to say, yes, Lord, yes, I'm, I'm available? That, that's the first step he's going to ask us to do. And, and don't freak out with that because he's not going to ask anybody here, sell everything, take a vow of poverty, and move over here. All he asked Peter was, can I use your boat? The, the first step that Jesus asks us to take is always about our availability. And so today... Today, that availability is maybe just you telling God, you know what? Here's the deal. I know your plans are better than my plans. I don't completely understand everything that's going on right now, but at the end of the day, I'm available to do whatever you want me to do. Your availability, you're saying yes, it'll change your life. It changed my life. It changed Peter's life. Are you available? If God is calling out to you today, right here, right now, what are you going to do? What are you going to say? Yes, Lord? Or no, man, I'm too busy. I've got too many other things going on. I don't want to do that. Are you available? God to call you out. When he calls you out. When he asks you to take your next step. When he moves you in a direction. And maybe it's a direction you don't even want to go. Are you available? Available. Let's stand and pray.